This is the Accidental Safety Pro live at the 2019 National Safety Congress and Expo in lovely San Diego. My name is Jill James, Vivid's Chief Safety Officer, and today I'm joined by Dr. Scott Geller, who is a distinguished professor of psychology at Virginia Tech, who just started his 50th year. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Jill. It's great to be here. So you and I were supposed to have a third person with us today. Charlie Moorcraft was going to join us uh, for the second time on the podcast, and Charlie is a bit under the weather, so sending out our positive energy to Charlie today. Yes, we today. are, and, and perhaps you, some of the listeners will know that Charlie and I gave a keynote address at this conference for 10 consecutive years. Oh, my gosh. Charlie would go first, yeah. and he would get people, he would tell his story. Mm-hmm. Many people know Charlie's story, yeah. and he tells what happened to him. Mm-hmm. And by the way, the safety professionals in the room, they're sitting on the edge of their seats yes, as they, they hear Charlie mm-hmm. explain one, how one little incident mm-hmm. resulted in a serious consequences for him. And so he spends an hour telling his story, getting people all emotional. And then he says, he says, by the way, folks, that's why. That's why we're here. Mm-hmm. That's why we're here, to prevent others from doing what I did. And now I want to introduce you to Scott Geller, who's the psychologist, to tell us how. That now that we know why we're here, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. And I spent an hour talking about how. And I start out my, my conversation by saying, how do you feel? Yeah. How do you feel? And they're, I can see it in their faces. I mean, they're, yeah, they're, they're teary-eyed. And he said, don't forget that because mm-hmm. that's why you're here. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't hear that enough because mm-hmm. safety is all about proactive. Yeah. Prevent it before it happens. Yeah. And we don't get enough recognition for the proactive things we do. It's when the incident, the injury Something's happens, hit the, yep. then oh, we get all kinds of attention. Yeah. And, and that's what Charlie reminded us. He yeah. tells us what it's like what it happens but being proactive we get to prevent yeah. things happening like what happened to Charlie so we get them we got them yeah. and then I say you know emotion is a motivation mm-hmm. when you're emotional you're motivated now let's talk about what we do about mm-hmm. that motivation what a gift to an audience to be able to hear both of you and for you to be able to help an audience process uh, you oh, know yeah. what they've just been through because it is an experience to listen to him and then to follow up with the science um, part of it. Oh, yeah. So when it comes to this podcast, the Accidental Safety Pro, everyone tells their story about how it is that safety found them or they found safety. So I'm interested if you could share your story about how did you become the scientist that you are to be able to partner with Charlie all those years? Oh, that's a fun yeah. question. Well, I'm a psychologist. Um, I started in cognitive psychology hmm. and for several years studying cognitive psychology and then I realized I'm not making a difference hmm. I'm, I'm publishing in, in academic journals yeah. and, and people in the academic field but what about the public what about the real people so then I started thinking about behavioral psychology okay. the application of behavioral science to improve human welfare and I started with safety belt mo- motivation. How do we get? We're talking about the 80s. We're talking okay. about or the se- mid 70s. And mm-hmm. people were not buckling up. Only about 20% or less of the population wore safety belts. The safety director of Ford Motor Company at the time was Dale Gray. And he called me up about 1979 and he said, Scott, you got to help us to get our people to wear safety belts. Because if we don't wear safety belts, yeah. we're going to have to put airbags in cars. 
and airbags are going to cause injuries. Uh And airbag is not as protective as a safety belt. That's how we started. Wow. And and that was the beginning of behavior-based safety. How did he find you? Well, in those days, I was doing safety belt research, and I had some grant money. Sure. And I was trying to convince the government, Department of Transportation, Mm -hmm. National Health Traffic Safety Administration, that we can use positive consequences. So they're all into pass a law and enforce it. Right. Negative consequences. But we were trying to show them that people feel better working for positive consequences mm-hmm. than working to avoid a negative consequence. So, and he, we got some, some media attention, mm-hmm. and he found my name, and he gave me a call. He That's said, crazy. Scott, and would I travel around to 313 different facilities and talk about a behavioral approach? And we had, we had their workers out in the parking lot measuring safety belt use mm-hmm. of their workers as they left the parking lot. Sure. And it was, you know, 10%. Sure. And then we set up programs to motivate to motivate positive if you're buckled up you'll get a bingo card sure and we're going to play bingo but just small tokens of appreciation increased it to beyond 60 percent i feel like i've i experienced the reverberating effects of your work in the 70s when i got my first internship um as an undergrad i did a a safety internship i have a community health education as my undergrad degree um, but I picked safety because I thought no one else would want to do it. And so I worked for the Department of Transportation. And yeah. the first campaign they had me work on was on seatbelt use. And this was in the early 90s. And at that time, there was this video that was circulating around. I bet you remember it. It's called Room to Live. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so yeah. I remember talking about that at the time. So that's, was that your foray into, into workplace safety well, and community safety? Then I started to come yeah. to safety conferences. Yeah. And I, I'd sit and listen to these presenters, mm-hmm. and I was, I was so disturbed, I must admit. I was so disturbed because it's think safety, and it's all about working to avoid failure yes. rather than success-seeking. So I started to think, wow, people have to learn the psychology of safety, the human dynamics of safety, the psychology of experience. Yeah. And so I started... I went and I started to give keynotes starting at ASSE back in, in the late 80s. And I've been a regular here at NSC. And I, my first significant book in this field was called The Psychology of Safety, published in 1996. And I, the, the lineup for people to get this, because it was a new, a new thing. Never thought about the psychology of safety. And, of course, as you indicated, I've been doing this for 50 years. And it, it's very reinforcing. Because people need to know the human dynamics of injury prevention. Mm-hmm. So when you were starting with that, and they were starting, you were starting to talk about that aspect of safety that no one has ever spoken about before, what sort of tangible things were you asking people to try? You're a scientist, so I'm guessing yes. you were giving people yes. ideas about try yes. to do this, this, and this. Get behavioral, for one thing. Yeah. Talk about behavior. For example, have a, have a session and ask people, what have you done for safety? We call it the safety share. Okay. What have you, last week, what have you done for safety? Someone to raise their hand. I didn't get hurt. <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> right. What have you done? But that's how we keep score. Notice yeah. organizations, who gets the base safety, the safety award? The one who had the fewest injuries. Yeah. And, and then we, in those right. days, we gave prizes to workers who didn't have an injury. In fact, we yeah. ran, they ran lotteries. Talk about an accident. An accident is something you can't control. I don't like the word accident. I don't like the word you know, accident it's, either. It's, yeah, but 
So we call it an incident. Or we yeah. call it an injury. But the point is, in those days, they were, and they, some companies still do this. Mm-hmm. You get a prize yes. if you don't have an injury. Guess what that does? Yeah, dry, under-reporting. Under-reporting. And that's and why you, OSHA doesn't like that whole idea. Exactly. Yeah. And, and going further with this, yeah. what I saw is these people in safety are talking about accident investigation. Mm-hmm. To find the root cause. Mm-hmm. You kidding me? See, as a psychologist, I know you don't find root cause. <laughs> or as a scientist, you don't find root cause yeah. from an interview and from talking to people. No. You have to manipulate an independent variable, look at its effect mm-hmm. on a dependent variable, and then make sure that other factors aren't, you can't, so cause and effect is yeah. not what it's about. And the word investigation. What's that sound like? An in- punitive. Yes, yeah. punitive. Mm-hmm. And that's how safety was. Mm-hmm. And it, it's getting much better. Now, people don't, I wish they would use the word injury analysis. Yeah. And I wish you, they just, it's it's not an accident and it's not an investigation. And we're look, we're not looking to find the root cause. I ask audiences, mm-hmm. how many whys do you ask to find the root mm-hmm. cause? Mm-hmm. And they all raise their hand. Oh, and five. Five? Yeah. Where'd that come from? And it's yeah. too much common sense. Yeah. Too much bad science. That's right. BS, right? right? Bad science. science. Yes. I mean, and so as a scientist, I want, I don't want to teach somebody something yeah. to do unless I know it's true. So we call it contributing factors. Right, because everything is multifactorial. Yes. Anything in life is multifactorial. And how do you find those things? Yeah. People have to talk about it. Right. But we stifle that conversation if we reward Yep. If you don't have an injury, yep. if we call it an investigation, yeah. if we say we're going to find the root cause, guess what? Yeah. The root cause. They're going to look at me because I was the one who was injured, so I must be the root cause. I mean, that's the interpretation people make, yeah. and it comes from language. Right. Our biggest job is to make people feel safe to be able to speak and to be able to share and to speak their truth about whatever it was or multiple things that occurred. To get to that. Guess what, Jill? Who knows? Who knows where the risks are? Yeah. Who knows who's taking risky behavior? And by the yeah. way, it's not necessarily they just weren't thinking. Who knows who's not paying attention? Mm-hmm. The workers do. Mm-hmm. The safety supervisor, mm-hmm. they, they don't or they the mm-hmm. ma- they don't know. But yeah. in the past they used to be the ones who would give them training meetings and would give the, the discussions and, and try to top down. And what's top down, yeah. it's gotta be bottom up. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the most powerful questions to ask. It, from Like, show me your job. Tell me, explain your job to me. Um, yeah, something that I did a lot. When I was with um, OSHA for a number of years as an investigator, and you're supposed to do these interviews. See, investigator. Yeah, right? You're Investiga- an investigator. I'm an investigator, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I thought, gosh, how am I going to find out about what really is happening here? What am I, how am I going to find out about what's really happening here? I have to ask the people about their work. And how do you do this work and make them feel comfortable? And what sticks in my mind is a particular investigation I was doing. There was a complaint that um, alleged employees were having to stand. It was a it's a giant comp- uh, place that ground up tires, like giant tires, like tractor tires, and they would shred them and turn them into beds that cows would lay on. And so this hopper that's as huge as where we are right now that these tires would go into and the allegation was that it didn't get locked out ever uh, oh, when sure. it got jammed. Oh, yeah. And so I was going around this place trying to make people feel safe to talk with me to, so I could find out what was happening. And I couldn't come up no. with anything. 
And so I'm leaving this investigation with like nothing and I'm feeling like there must be something happening here. And I'm driving my state vehicle away slowly from this place and out of the bushes, literally out of the bushes of this company, this man comes up to the window of my car and knocks on the window and says, can we talk to you? Because bad things are happening here. And I said, absolutely. They said, could you meet us at the Burger King tonight after work? And all these employees showed up to tell me what was happening. Unbelievable. But you have to make them feel safe well, but that's, to that's, be able to do that, right? But that's the issue, Jill. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly our problem. Yeah. We have a culture mm-hmm. where it's, it's driven underground. Yeah. And it's all about how the leaders talk. Yeah. And it's all about how you keep score. Yeah. Who gets the safety award? The one with the fewest injuries. Right. You know? Right. Who's safety, safety leader of the month? Who's that? Had the fewest injuries. Yeah. It's how we talk. Here's a word we have to talk about. Empathy. Yes. Empathy. Yes. Empathy. What is that? Yeah, please. Well, empathy means I need to find out, like you said, where's the other person coming from? Yeah. When you have an injury mm-hmm. and you talk to the injured person or it's just a, a near hit. Yep. Or or they call it near miss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bad word. Two right. airplanes are flying. Had a near miss. Means they hit. Uh-huh. We call it a good catch. Uh-huh. But you know, <laughs> report those things. Yes. But but when you talk about it, you have to try to find out from the other person why it happened. That takes empathy. Yeah. You know, it's not the golden rule. You know what the golden rule is, right? To do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Uh-huh. It's the platinum rule <laughs> is you treat others as they want to be treated. That takes empathy. If you think about it, treating others like you want to be treated, no, it's how they want to be treated. Yeah. And a leader, a leader practices empathy. Mm-hmm. A safety leader mm-hmm. practices empathy. So how do you teach that when you're doing your work for people who aren't maybe just kind of wired that way already yeah Yeah, how do you do that and is that part of what you do with your with your work now called um active caring actively caring for people yeah is that teaching empathy well oh absolutely in fact the technical word interesting let me backtrack yes i was a behaviorist Mm -hmm. remember applied behavioral science and behavior-based safety was based on applied behavioral science okay then i saw some of the consultants misinterpreting it thinking it's only behavior yeah and in in fact the engineers counting up at risk behavior and safe behavior and getting a formula percent safe and then comparing different departments Mm -hmm. i mean that's better than nothing yeah but it's missing the human part right it's missing empathy Mm -hmm. it's missing here's a word from psychology humanism okay it's missing humanism so we i wrote several books called people-based safety we, and some companies now are using that term. Mm-hmm. And then, recently, we moved to actively caring. Yeah. Now, think about actively caring. Active behavior. Mm-hmm. Caring humanism. Okay. So the technical word is humanistic behaviorism. Okay. Now, yeah, break that down. Humanistic yeah. behaviorism. Yeah. There are certain principles in humanistic psychology mm-hmm that behaviorists need to practice. In fact, I'm doing keynote speeches now at psychology conferences, and that's my topic is humanistic behaviorism. I'll give you an example. We just said one, empathy. Mm -hmm. The humanist is empathic. For example, you see behavior, and you define it as that's at-risk behavior, or you see two people fighting in a parking lot, and you say, that's aggression. 
How do you know? Yeah. What are their intentions? The, the humanist wants to know, they could just be horseplay. Sure. And in fact, some of your listeners might have been in situations where you you horseplay, just fooling around, mm-hmm. and then somebody gets hurt and it turns into aggression. Sure. But the behavior looks the same. Mm. What changed? Intentions. Intention, sure. So intention is what the humanist brings to the game, as well as empathy. Yeah. Find out what were your intentions. Did I don't think you meant to get hurt. Right. So why did you take that risk? Yeah. And, and that's how you find the Make contributing factors, right. by the way. Mm-hmm. You know, well, there are behavioral factors. Mm-hmm. I saw other people doing it. Yep. it it's a norm around here. Yep. It's a descriptive, you call it a descriptive norm. It's, whatever, it's, it's, it's the way we do things. It was only going to take 10 seconds. There you go. Yeah. And matter of fact, the boss gave me the impression that he wanted the job done right now. Yeah. He empowered me. You know what empowerment means to some people? Get yep. her done. Uh-huh. You know, with fewer dangerous, resources. Dangerous, yeah. dangerous, dangerous But now the humanist yeah. talks about empathy and empowerment in a different way. Yeah. Empowerment means, one, I know how to do it. We call it self-efficacy. Mm. I believe. Mm-hmm. Notice believe. Mm. Behaviorists talk about this, what they see. Humanists, what do you believe you can do? Yeah. Second, do you believe it will work? Mm-hmm. So if I teach you a safety process. Yeah. You might be able to do it through training, but now I need to educate you, showing you data that this response, this process will work. That's education. Mm -hmm. Is there a difference between training and education? Yes. Yeah. You know, I ask my audiences, would you rather have your kids get sex training or sex education? (laughs) Right? They, they laugh and they, oh, education. Well, I have a 17-year-old, definitely uh, there you education. Go. Yes. And when you, uh-huh. though you know the difference. Yes. Training is behavior and feedback. Yeah. But education is important, too. We need to know the rationale behind the process. Right. right. Okay, so we got self-efficacy. Yeah. We have response efficacy. And then we have outcome expectancy. This is the motivation. Yeah. That is, is it worth it? Yeah. So I can do it. And I think it will work. All these extra things, yeah. is it worth doing? Right. Consequences. Right. What will the consequences be? Can you convince me that it's worth putting my cell phone in the back seat while I drive? Yeah. So that third thing, is that where we get into, okay, so the trench has been dug. It's not dug very well. It's not sloped appropriately. The job is going to take me a minute tops to do that. I can see this isn't right. I know I'm pushed for a deadline. Where does, how do you apply that? That's that behavior. Like you want them to make the right decision for themselves at that time. So how are, how are you training on that piece? Well, let's talk about empowerment. Yeah. Motivate. Well, the motivation. Yes. We'll talk about with empowerment. Okay. They know how to dig the ditch safely. Yep. Now let's assume they did that. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they believe that digging the ditch safely is going to prevent injuries. Yeah. But they're in a hurry. Yeah. They want to get to the break room. Yeah. Or the boss said, let's go, guys. Yeah. It's all about production. Yeah. You know? The traffic and is waiting. So they take yeah. a shortcut. Yeah. And so that's the, the motivation part is the consequence part. Yeah. What am I doing this for? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about texting. Mm-hmm. Big issue is texting. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. We know how to put our cell phone in the backseat or how to, how yeah. to... We know how to drive without... The cell phone, you know, we know not to be tempted to pick it up. Mm-hmm. And we also believe 
that it would work. Mm-hmm. That if people stopped texting while driving, we'd have fewer crashes. Yeah. Not accidents, by the way. Right. Crashes, crashes on the highway. Yeah. Okay, but well, why don't we do it? Mm-hmm. Because it won't happen to me. That's right. And besides, I'm in a hurry. Yeah. And I've got windshield time. This is my opportunity sitting at the stoplight yeah. to yeah. check up on my email. Yeah. So that's the critical one. So we have training, yeah. education, and motivation. Mm-hmm. If you say yes to those three, I can do it, it will work, and it is worth it, you feel. You feel empowered. Mm-hmm. Now that's back to humanism. Mm-hmm. Behaviorists don't talk about feeling. Mm-hmm. Humanists do, but we put the two together. By the way, humanist, humanism alone is not enough. Yeah. We have to get behavioral, and we have to use consequences to motivate that behavior. Yeah. So we're calling it humanistic behaviorism or yeah. actively caring. caring. Sure, sure. And so how do you get people, while you've been talking about this, I've been thinking about a scenario that happened to me yesterday. Yeah. So I'm on the plane flying to beautiful San Diego here. And the man sitting next to me, this um, six foot six, has a very brave job. I won't name it to disclose who he is, kind of job. Uh-huh. And he is, suffers terribly from anxiety. Ooh. And he was, it was really hard for him to be on the plane. And he shared that with me. And in response, I was empathetic and we talked about it. And he said, I, I, it was so hard for me to get on this plane today, and I've taken, I've taken my medication. And I said, okay, so let's talk about what that's like for you. Let's talk about some breathing techniques. Let's talk about would it, would it help if I talked with you during this takeoff and during the landing, and, you know, how are you feeling? And, you know, the fact that he disclosed that to me, was fabulous. I was so proud of him. I said, thank you so much for sharing that with me so that he could be brave to get through that flight, you know? (laughs) But I'm proud of you. You must have shown him empathy. You must have shown him the ability to listen with empathy or he wouldn't have. I mean, that's what humanists do. Humanists ask more questions. You probably asked him more questions than told. You weren't telling him, you were asking him, right? I I I think that a smile... Is opens lots of doors. So I'm wondering, do you like how when you're trying to train people who have been, as Charlie would say, tough guys forever? How do you teach them to be open, to be empathetic, but also to receive and to ask and to say, hey, you know, my life is on the line here. This is a hard stop for me. Well, it's it's easier said than done. Let's get back to this. Let's get back to this guy on the plane. Yeah, he could get some systematic desensitization. He get He could get therapy to reduce the anxiety. Yeah, that's that's a psychological issue that he has to deal with. But let's talk about a related issue to anxiety. Let's talk about stress. Yeah, let's talk about. I want your listening audience to understand stress is good. You stress and distress, right? That's it. Yeah. Thank you, Jill. You know that. Most people don't get that. Uh, but that came from my community health education degree. <laughs> Good. I mean, the difference, the difference yeah. is the perception of control. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If I'm if I got I'm got my butterflies in my stomach are all lined up. You stress. You know? Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, here you go. Mm-hmm. We need to teach the world that yeah. stress I feel so stressed. Good. You know, the, you Which know Which one is it? Yeah. Hans Selye, the guy, the Australian who Austrian who did all the work on stress. Mm-hmm. He said, when you're not stressed, you're dead. Amen. Stress means yeah. we're here. We're, we're getting things done. Yeah. But distress is bad. Yeah. And the challenge is to get in control. That's mm-hmm. what safety professionals do, mm-hmm. is help people believe that they do these things and you might feel like stress, but 
everything's the ducks are all lined up yeah and we the, the butterflies are all we know what we're doing yeah. that would be that's okay yeah before i do public speaking if i have those butterflies I'm like happy because I know that's my eustress coming out and I know that things are going to be okay. It's when I don't have it, I'm like, uh oh, uh oh, I'm not feeling anything here. You, you, know, you know how unusual it is for me to talk to someone who gets that? Huh. It's unusual. People, they don't see it that way. I have to explain it and now I'm talking to somebody. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. That's very reinforcing. I but, watch, you know, the speed skater, um, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? I can't really think I of it. You're you know what I'm thinking about? Yeah. Before he skates, he always yawns. He, he's always yawning, and I think, oh, that must be his eustress coming out. Like, right before a race, he's he always has these big yawns. And sometimes before oh, I speak, the same thing happens. But now we're back to, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Yes. okay. so you want to know. So how do you train? Yes. How do you, it takes two, it takes education and training. Yes. I mean, so why is empathy important? Yeah. Why is it important to ask more questions? Well, so that's the, that's the education. Mm -hmm. But now we can we can do role play, couldn't we? Yeah, that's training. We right. do role play. So yeah. so break up into 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 dyads, two people, yeah. and one person tell your story to the other person, and the other person, I just want you to listen, yeah. and and we we're forced you edu you educate them on how do you listen with empathy, yeah. like you did with that with that individual on the plane. Yeah, and you, I I did that because I have. Um, mental health first aid training, and so I used it yesterday. Yeah, and you're, yeah. and because you believe it, yeah. your facial expression, your yeah. body language. You know what it said? I care. Yeah, that's yeah. what you were saying to this guy. I care. So the safety training that we've been doing forever, right? <laughs> uh, we need to add some education, particularly around empathy and around empathetic listening and uh, the humanism principles that you're talking we do. about. So that's we what do. you're spending your life's work doing. Well. It's, it's actively caring for people. Yeah. We have a movement. Okay. It's now worldwide. Okay. And it's, we have a website, okay. AC4P. Check it out, ac4p.org. Okay. And my, my daughter just started a company, and you're going to interview her later today, I think. Yes, I am. And, and, and Krista started a, a company, Geller AC4P, okay. and a website, gellerac4p.com. Okay. We have books. Mm -hmm. we, we have wristbands. Can I show you this wristband? Sure. This, this wristband, it says actively caring for people. Okay. That's Every wristband has its own identification number. Oh. And, and the process, and my daughter will talk about this here at this mm -hmm. conference this afternoon. It's called STEP, S-T-E-P, Step Into Actively Caring, S. See somebody mm -hmm. doing an act of kindness. Mm. So, Jill, you've yeah. given me an opportunity to talk to you mm -hmm. about the psychology of safety. Mm -hmm. I'm thanking you by giving you that wristband. Okay. And that's S. Thank mm -hmm. is the T for step. So I'm mm -hmm. thanking you. Now, now I want you yeah. notice each each wristband has its own identification number. I, I see number. this. This long They're number. all different. Yeah. yeah. They're all different. You... You go to the website, ac4p.org, yep. and you you sign in with that wristband number and your story. Scott Geller gave me wristband number so-and-so, huh. uh -huh. you know, because uh -huh. I invited him to do a podcast mm -hmm. on the psychology of safety. Next word, P, you pass it on. Okay. You pass it on to, to somebody next. else, and they tell their... We have these wristbands traveling all over the world. Interesting. It started right here, and it's <laughs> acts of kindness. Yeah. It's pay it forward. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows about pay it forward, but it's not 
It's not random acts of kindness. Yeah. It's intentional, purposeful. Yeah. purposeful. Yo, yeah. You got that too. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. It's purposeful acts of kindness. And um, we have books. Mm-hmm. And, oh, um, one more thing. I'm, I'm wearing a blue wristband. Well, okay. police officers wear a blue wristband. They had to have blue. The thin blue line. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. blue. Mm-hmm. and it says, actively caring for people policing. And so community policing is now happening in several communities. Arizona has Northern Virginia. And police officers wear this wristband. It has its own identification number. Hmm. And they do the step process. And then they tell the citizen, go to our website, Mm -hmm. activelycaringpolicing.org. And And by the way, we have training books that we go to police departments and we teach them the process. We have a book that teaches this. We have it for safety professionals. Mm-hmm. My daughter and I have, have a book that's published by American Society of Safety Professionals, and it's, it's here at this conference, okay. and it's called Actively Caring for People's Safety. Mm-hmm. We have a police officer, a former police officer, and I wrote one for police officers. Mm-hmm. I wrote one for school personnel, yeah. wrote one for college students, and my latest one, and I want to give you a copy, okay. it's, it's for parents actively caring for your child, how to be a more effective parent. Don't we all need that? Oh, I, I don't know if I could, should bring this up, but there's a syndicate columnist, hmm. and somebody passed on one of his columns. Yeah. His name is John Rosemary. Sounds, oh. fam- sounds familiar. Okay. Oh, I hope it's, it, it really disturbs me. Okay. He talks about the authoritarian parent. Ooh. Tell them what to do, but don't give them a rationale. Oh. Just the opposite of what we're talking about. Oh, no. And if they say, why? Because I said so. Uh-huh. That is so opposite. So the principles yes. we're talking about for safety are true for parenting. And, and by the way, he also says in his latest column, parents need to be leaders and be authoritarian. You know, that's wrong. Leaders are empathic. Mm-hmm. Leaders give a rationale mm-hmm. behind the rule. Mm-hmm. Leaders are humble. Mm-hmm. Leaders ask for feedback. Mm-hmm. That's what a leader is. And we're growing the next generation of leader. As a, as a parent of a 17-year-old who's on the cusp of starting college in T-minus however many months now, my biggest panic as a parent is whether or not I put enough feathers on the wings to successfully fly out of the nest and to be able to make his own decisions and take care of himself, not only his, his human body uh, and to make good decisions and to be a good student, but more importantly, how to take care of his emotional being. Oh, and, and that's it, like that's like that's my panic part of the job. Oh. So yes, I'll take that book. <laughs> but, I, but Jill, it scares me because right? parents do their best, but then they listen to these yeah. newspaper clippings, and it's getting to the public. Yeah. I'm a ivory tower professor, and it's just so yeah. dis- distressful, right? right. Th- yeah. Because we know the profound knowledge and the challenges to get it out there. You know, marketing wins over profound knowledge. Hmm. I look around this conference; it's marketing everywhere, hmm. and I know. Mention any names. I know where there's people are lacking. It's not their fault. Yeah. They've not been educated on some of the principles yeah. that they need to be educated on. Sure. But sometimes consultants stop learning. I'm a consultant, so I I know what I'm going to do. They stop learning. Not you know, evolving. Yeah. Life. I'm I'm going in my fiftieth year. I never stop learning. 
teaching and learning is our legacy. It continues just like you do, right? You continue yeah. to learn and you continue to teach. It's an ongoing process. It's what gets me out of bed. So speaking of your legacy, and Krista, your daughter is nearby, <laughs> and I'll be recording with her later. Uh, I've, I've had one mother-daughter um, duo on the podcast so far. First, a daughter who's a safety professional, and she, her mother is a safety professional as well, a professor um, at the uh, University of Whitewater, Wisconsin. Yeah. And so you are now going to be the second parental units on the podcast. So my question to you is, um, did you set out to intentionally raise a safety professional, or how did that work? <laughs> <laughs> and the other question could be, how does it make you feel? Yes, to exactly. have a daughter yeah. who's following in your footsteps. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like we have a limited time. Mm-hmm. You know, my tombstone says, driven to make a difference. Mm-hmm. My autobiography, written in a behavioral science, mm-hmm. says, driven to make a difference. Yeah. But we only have so much time. Right. But when you have a daughter or a son or mm-hmm. someone who, who can take over for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that makes it feel good if and that. Because mm-hmm. let's face it, so many names come and go. Yeah. You know, whenever I give a presentation, I talk about my heroes, W. Edwards Deming. And some people will know his name, but many people, who's that? Yeah. Well, you know, he passed away a few years ago at the mm-hmm. age of 93. Mm-hmm. He had 93 years, mm-hmm. but then he's forgotten. And sometimes we reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff that Deming taught us, right. we're, you know, Deming said, don't blame people for problems caused by the system. We still, and, and, and another one of my heroes is B.F. Skinner. Mm-hmm. And, and he was the behavioral scientist. Who, but the point, my point is, yeah. they only had so many years. But I have a daughter now yeah. who can take over. And you <laughs> asked the question that I, no, I didn't, never intended it, but... I was a researcher, and so she was my subject for many years. <laughs> one of my, one of, she always talks about this study. Maybe she'll talk about it okay. later. Just give you a brief. Both, I have two daughters. They both got their PhDs, by mm-hmm. the way. Mm-hmm. And when they were, when Krista was 16 and the other daughter was 14, mm-hmm. I wired them for sound, and I sent them into stores to buy cigarettes in Blacksburg, Virginia. Whoa, I bet they thought, <laughs> they, they were not happy. They were not, but, but you know, yeah. they did it. They, I told them why, I explained uh-huh. why, uh-huh. and I wasn't a top-down thing, and yeah. they enjoyed the fact that, that they're going to be in this experiment. They went to 20 different stores. Krista was never turned down. She bought 20 packs of cigarettes, and of course, yeah. I had staff who buy me, buy me Vantage, buy me, buy me Lucky Strike. Hard and, pack, soft pack, all those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and, and then the other daughter, she was 14. Yeah. She was turned down twice. Whoa. Once by her basketball coach who knew that she shouldn't be. But here's the deal. Then it came out in the newspaper, front, na- front page news. Sure. The sting in Blacksburg. And their pictures were on the front page with a mound of cigarettes in front oh of them. Oh, my gosh. And then I sent them back. They went back to the stores, the same 20 stores. What happened? To see yeah. it decreased, okay. but not as much as we wanted to. Krista, Krista was stopped four times. Yeah. She tells a story about one time she's in, she's in um, um, Kroger, and they had this big poster mm-hmm. with the newspaper article, mm-hmm. Don't Sell Cigarettes to These Girls. Mm-hmm. And she hadn't seen it. So she's waiting, and the conveyor belt, her pack of cigarettes is rolling down the conveyor belt, and the cashier looks at her, looks at the poster, and gives her a lecture, a public lecture. But here's the bottom line. They lost a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. They, we shut down cigarette, cigarette sure. purchase by 18-year-olds. By the teenagers, yeah. yeah. By teenagers. Yeah. Wow. 
good on yeah. them. But get back to your son. He's 17. Yeah. And you're worried. I don't blame you. Yeah. Social media is ridiculous. And I know we don't want to get political, but we have so-called leaders who are really managers, top-down. He, There's a difference between managing behavior and leading people. Yep. And what we're seeing, not only in the government, we're seeing it everywhere. It's all about managing behavior. Even even behavior-based safety mm-hmm. is coming across as manage it. Yeah. Watch this person, write down the numbers, yep. plug it onto a computer, yeah. get percent safe, that's behavior-based safety. Or show them a video, and we're going to have or great show behaviors. Them a vi- yeah, man. In fact, yeah. there's one consulting firm that to get you interested in behavior-based safety, they show you a video of workers doing at-risk behavior, silly at-risk behavior. Yeah. The audience laughs and says, that's behavior-based safety. No, it's no. not. Mm-hmm. It, but mm-hmm. it is by the way some people teach it sure they're missing to bring it all around now yes. they're missing the caring part yeah the humanistic part yeah and they're they're missing the connection like you had with that individual on the airplane mm-hmm. imagine he, he left that airplane feeling better yeah. you made him feel better because you listen quick story with the wristband yeah is what this mine to keep yes it, okay. you know, but i have a smaller one for you we have okay. two sizes i'm okay. gonna but so let me, show, let me take this. I'm going to show you sure. this. So one of my students is telling the act, talk, we call it a movement, the actively caring for people movement. Yeah. And he's talking to another student at LSU, mm-hmm. Louisiana State University. Mm-hmm. And they had a leadership conference. And he's explaining the movement. By the way, it started after our tragedy at Virginia Tech, April 16th, 2007, as you all know. Yes. They only say 32, but there were 33. The shooter was killed also. Yes. You know, and we have to understand that that shooter was bullied because mm-hmm. he didn't speak mm-hmm. clear English. He was bullied. We have to understand what was the culture yeah. that influenced that terrible behavior. Yes. Okay, it was wrong behavior, but we in, he was he was not he had no friends at, at, at Virginia Tech. Yeah. They ignored him. He wore sunglasses and a baseball cap when he came to class. But anyway, it just goes. Yeah. It's more than behavior. So that's how you started this active caring. Well, I the, was doing actively caring, yeah. way, we call it actively caring for yeah. safety, in the 90s with Exxon. But, sure. but after my student came back, after well, let me, let me finish the story. Yeah. So the, 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 the girl he was telling the story to, her name is Amy, mm-hmm. she says, let me tell you a story. I was riding the metro in Washington, D.C., sitting across from a gentleman whose head was down, reminds you of your story, looking so unhappy, so mm-hmm. sad. And I know that on the Metro, you're not supposed to talk to people. You're just supposed to sit and ride. But I looked up and I said, are you okay? That only question. And she looked up to him, yeah. and he looked up to her, and he said, no. I just had the worst day of my life. And he explained. And she asked questions mm-hmm. and showed emotion. Yeah. And then he, he, she said, you know, my, I'm going to have to get off here soon. I sure hope you have a better day. He said, wait a minute before you leave. And he took oh. this wristband <laughs> off his wrist. And he oh. says, somebody gave this to me. It says, actively caring for people. Yeah. You just actively cared for me yeah. more than anybody has all year. Wow. And so she told that story. And my student comes back and says, 
where did he get that wristband? We didn't have numbers on him in those days. Right. Where did he get it? What if we could track this? Yeah. What if we had people put a number on this and we could track where it's been and where it's going? And this one wristband that I started right here yeah. at the NSC conference in San Diego goes to South Africa. And by the way, the movement is big in South Africa. There are So that's how it all started. So now, how many of these are in circulation? Oh, thousands. Thousands. Uh, there was fif- that was fifteen thousand something on that. There you one. go. Yeah, yeah. fifteen thousand three hundred eleven. That's <laughs> your number. But and it, but we have them. For, by the way, we've reduced bullying by f- more than fifty percent hmm. at schools where they had a bullying prevention program. Hmm. Guess what? Bullying was prevention. How is find a bully, yeah. punish the bully, yeah. kick him out of school. Yeah. We don't completely different. How do we do it? It's called actively caring for people. We don't pay attention to the bullier. Some of that bullying happens for attention. We pay attention to acts of kindness. Mm -hmm. So students talk to each other and Mm -hmm. they give out wristbands. They talk about acts of kindness. In one third grade, by the way, this is published, so this is research. In one school, the teacher would, would read would ask the students on a three-by-five card, look for acts of kindness Mm -hmm. and put it in our treasure chest at the back of the room. All I want you to do is write the name of the person's, the act of kindness, and your name, and what was the act. And every morning, she read three of those to the class. This is like third graders. And, And then she picked out one. And she gave them a wristband as the actively caring hero of the day. At the end of the day, they passed it in, and Uh the next day somebody else wore the wristband. This silicone rubber wristband (laughs) on a child's size was so popular. (laughs) And all they talked about was actively caring for others. Bullying was not part of it. And we we measured it systematically. We gave out surveys every Friday, and sharing increased. Acts of kindness mm. increased. Get this: self-esteem increased, mm, of course. and bullying behavior decreased. Even at a school yeah. that had tried the top-down punitive approach, yeah. that's more powerful than uh, bulletproof backpacks, right? <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't oh? Yeah. And does this country not need actively caring? <laughs> we we absolutely you know, need you know, actively caring. It's Martin Luther King said, the, the tragedy of today, I'm paraphrasing, is not the, the noise, the loud noise of the, of the um, bad people. Yeah. It's the appalling silence of the good people. Right? Martin Luther King said that. The good people need to step forward and yeah. actively care. I've heard a, a nun whose name I'm not going to get right calls it the cesspool of silence yes yes and i wrote that i wrote that on a note to myself and i keep it in my house and and her challenge is to be able to say in those times where things are like bullying behavior or non-empathetic uh people or just terrible words and language that are used to be able to be brave enough to say i think differently about that she said it keeps you out of the cesspool of silence and you know what? Related to that is social media. Social media is the negative stuff. And, and by the way, I have a, I have a, I'm, I'm proud to say I have a TED Talk. 
I have a TED Talk. I have listened to it. It's on self-motivation. It's more than 8 million views. Uh And I watch, I look at the comments that come in, Mm -hmm. and some of the comments are so negative, and I want to respond. And my my colleagues say, don't waste your time. No. But maybe I should, maybe we should waste our time. I mean, I mean, look at it this way. Right. We're hearing all the negative stuff. Now, yeah, with yeah. my TED Talk, I get, you know, I sh- I, that's wasting my time. But some of the negative stuff that comes over the media, we're giving them a voice yeah. and we're sitting back and saying, don't pay attention to that. Yeah. Maybe we need to start a voice out there like this voice. Yeah. Of the positive, like your voice. That's what you guys do, you know? Mm-hmm. Vivid learning is about a positive voice mm-hmm. to safety and beyond. Mm-hmm. You know, the principles we talk here about safety, it's more than safety. We, we talk parenting. Yes. We talk actively caring is beyond. Yeah. We're taking care of the whole human, and isn't that what we do as safety professionals? Right? We're, Absolutely. Yeah, it's not just figuring out what the right guard is to be on something. It's like, why does that need to be there? And, and, and yeah. you know what's powerful about safety professionals? They understand proactive. Yeah, right? They under, you know, the rest of the world, we're all, we're yeah. all reacting. Yeah. We wait for something to happen and people... But safety professionals understand the need to be proactive. i got to share one more thing about sure. humanism. Sure. The top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs... Remember? Self-actualization. Oh, I love it. She's This bright lady <laughs> said self-actualization, and that's what the world is saying, self-actualization. But I'm pleased to tell you, not true. Okay. Not true. What's up there? On the, what's up there well, as the star, well, right? No, you're absolutely right okay. for his first hierarchy. Yes. And even my introductory psychology textbooks still get it wrong. They self, self-actualization. What do you do? You know, oh, you're so good. You practice you practice your basic the needs. Sure. Then, yeah. then you have safety and security. Yeah. Then you have your your social needs. Then self esteem. Then self actualization. Mm-hmm. I once asked my professor, sir, what as a behaviorist, I want to know yeah. what is. How do I know when I'm self actualized? Right. I've always wanted to know this. Please, <laughs> please share it. He said, because it feels sort of yeah. like ego filled, oh, right? Well, yeah. yeah. But it is humanism, yeah. and the okay. humanists don't necessarily have to put it in behavioral terms. Okay. But I need to know. Yeah. Like you said, yeah. and he said. It's when you can sit back and say, I did it. I made a difference. I did what I wanted to do. And then he looked me square in the eyes and he said, and Geller, you're never going to get there. And he's so right. I'll never believe that I've done all I wanted to do Mm -hmm. to make a difference. Mm -hmm. But Maslow died in 1970. Mm -hmm. His last book was published by his wife in 1971. Hmm. It's called The Farthest Reaches of Human Nature. He said he was wrong. He said he was wrong. Oh, my gosh. The top is not self-actualization. The top is self-transcendence. Going beyond yourself for somebody else. Yeah. That's what safety That's professionals do. That's Doesn't That's that give it. you chills to know yes. that it's... And by the way, you don't have to go all, all these things. Mother Teresa didn't. Mm-hmm. Every day we... Gandhi didn't. Mm-hmm. Every day people help others without feeling feeling self-actualized. I mean, self-actualized is thing. I've done it all. No, you we help people. My daughter and I are writing... The, the next book is The Power of Pets... And one of the, yeah, the power of pets. The power of pets. Mm-hmm. I wrote a, a book. My I think it's my best accomplishment. It's 31, 31 co-authors with this book called Applied Psychology: okay. Actively Caring for People. Mm-hmm. And my daughter, you'll have to ask her this afternoon okay. about her chapter, The Power of Pets. But the reason I bring that up is we 
actively care for our animals. That is, it's, it's about a healthy, not a selfie. But our culture is all about self. I'm taking a selfie uh-huh. instead of, as Maslow ta- taught us, but we're not, it's not out there. Just like you said, self-actualization. Yeah. It's, we need to send this message to safety professionals. It's self-transcendence. Mm-hmm. And every day, mm-hmm. safety professionals go beyond the call of duty mm-hmm. for someone else. Mm-hmm. They ask someone to put on those safety glasses. They're proactive. Yeah. Proactive means actively caring. Yeah. Proactive means self-transcendence. Yeah. It's not about me. Yeah. It's about you. Mm-hmm. And knowing that, safety professionals, mm-hmm. they teach others. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. teach others at the top of that ladder is going beyond yourself for somebody else. And that's the mission of a safety professional. It is. Amen. Amen to that. I was going, as we're rounding out our time today, I was going to ask you what uh, what keeps you going and what gets you out of bed every day, but I think you just nailed it. <laughs> I think you just nailed it. <laughs> yeah, my, my students, my professors say, Scott, when are you going to retire, man? Yeah. And I, you know what I sell? I gave the... Uh, the orientation lectures this morning, this 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 morning, this this summer, mm-hmm. to six hundred at a time parents and students. Sure. And what, what I said to those new students, I said, "You look, I know you want to get your grades. You say to your son, I know I want you to get good grades. I want you to do well in mm-hmm. college. But let me tell you what college is really about: finding your purpose, yes. finding what you want. If it takes you six years, seven years." 10 years, I wish for those students that they would find a job like I found, Mm -hmm. that I don't want to leave, that it's not a job, it's a mission, Mm -hmm. it's a purpose, Mm -hmm. it's actively caring for people. Wonderful. Dr. Geller, thank you so much. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate your time today. I do too. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to say goodbye to our our guests and really thank you so much for sharing your story. And thank you all so much for spending your time listening today. And more importantly, thank you for your contribution, making sure your workers, including your temporary workers, make it home safe every day. If you'd like to join the conversation about this episode or any of our previous episodes, follow our page and join the Accidental Safety Pro Community Group on Facebook. If you aren't subscribed and you want to hear past and future episodes, subscribe in iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, or any other podcast player you'd like. You can also find all the episodes at vividlearningsystems.com slash podcast. We'd love it if you could leave a rating and review us on iTunes. It really helps us connect with more safety professionals like you and I and Dr. Geller. And share any episodes you'd like with your friends. If you have a suggestion for a guest, including if it's you, shoot me an email at social at vividlearningsystems.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.